Before this episode begins, here are some content warnings. This episode includes mentions and or discussion of abuse, including child abuse, death, suicide, violence, childbirth, and mental illness. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the KAR Recap. I'm your host, Kristen Rhoda. I'm an English and music student who loves discovering, reading, and exploring old and new works of literature, television, and film. This podcast is partnered with my Instagram blog, KAR. After about one to three weeks of reading a chosen novel or watching a chosen TV show or movie, I discuss the plot, the background, the characters, and certain themes and other literary devices that stuck out to me. So if you enjoyed the work or even if you didn't like it, let's just talk. If you haven't read the book, please know that this episode contains spoilers. Remember, I'm just as curious as you are, so there's no right or wrong here. Just learning and some healthy discussion. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, you guys, I could not be more excited for this episode. This week, we're getting back into books for a little bit. I'm going to be discussing Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. It's a classic novel and a love story. Well, sort of a love story. I'll explain later. But this episode is going to be different because I'm chatting with a special guest this time. With my friend Reagan Ford, we're just going to analyze the book. Now, usually I try to give a little bit of a rundown of the plot, but this episode is going to be longer than usual, so just analysis this time. But before the interview, let's talk about the author. Unfortunately, Bronte only lived for about 30 years, but she was an incredible writer who contributed a lot to the field of literature as we know it. Growing up, after losing her mother and two of her older sisters, she and her younger siblings began writing stories, which were inspired by toy soldiers gifted to her youngest brother, Branwell. In her adulthood, she and her sister Charlotte moved to Brussels to further their education. However, Emily did not want to conform to Belgian customs, so she was kind of an outsider. However, her knowledge and her writing greatly impressed the headmistress at their school, Madame Hager. When she wrote Wuthering Heights, she published it under the pseudonym Ellis Bell. The book was so well written and packed with themes of violent love and immoral sex, it got mixed reviews. As a matter of fact, the public thought that it was written by a man. Now, if you read the book, you'll notice that the main female characters are not exactly submissive, as most people at that time thought they should have been, so the actions of these women were described to be barbaric. But even after all of that, and even though Bronte passed away a year after the book's publication, the book had achieved massive fame as an English classic. If you'd like to know more about Emily Bronte, check out some really good articles about her and read some of her poems. But for now, let's get into the interview with Reagan. Okay, so for the analysis section of this episode, I have a special guest. So I'm going to be interviewing my friend Reagan Ford. She was an old classmate with me back in my senior year. 
we went to the same college, UT Chapel Hill, and she just graduated. So congratulations. So thank you. So if you could tell them a little bit about your studies and just just introduce yourself a little bit about you. Yeah, so I just graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, um, majored in biology, um, but I also love reading. So that's why I'm here with Kristen um, to talk about Wuthering Heights. All right, cool, cool. Like, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. And um, hopefully, I really hope that um, you go really far in your career and and I'm rooting for you. And I'm so happy that you're here today. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Thank you for having me. So, um, so before I get into like more like, cause most of, most of the analysis I wanted to do through characters, but before that, so, um, we all know that this was a darker romance story. It's like a romance story. Mm-hmm. That's not really romantic. <laughs> it's not as romantic yeah. as most. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, why was, why do you think that was necessary for Emily Bronte to do? I think, um, when I, when we first read it senior year, I was like, oh, like this is this love story. Um, but reading over it again, as I'm older and like an adult now, I'm like, wow, this is kind of like that toxic love, um, which isn't completely uncommon. I think you hear about it a lot. Um, yeah. where you're like, why are they going back and forth? Why are they still together? Um, <laughs> exactly. So I think it's, it's while it was a super dramatic story, it has elements of like, this is what real life is. Like, it's love is complicated. It's not like the fairy tale. Like, you know, I find the man of my dreams and now we're married and we have so many kids together. Like, it's not that easy. Not saying it should be toxic like this, but <laughs> right. um, yeah. Yeah, so there are a lot of um, there are a lot of symbols that are in the book to kind of kind of like further highlight that too. So like in most like romantic stories, like you know the like the like the sweet romantic stories, like it's like um, oh like he saved me from a tough situation. He was mm-hmm. there for me. She was there for me. Um, we were both comforting each other and and we get married and it's happy ever happily ever after but not in this story no no way because um because yeah. like first of all we talk about the uh, the title it's Wuthering Heights is a house but um you think about the title like does that I mean like really doesn't sound like a house you want to live in does it mm-hmm. Wuthering Heights it's, it just sounds dark doesn't it yeah like it sounds like I think like dilapidated house <laughs> yeah because um in a story like you talk like they talk about um the weather all the time how it's how it just looks dark and downcast when you go mm-hmm. there and um and you think of the word weathering like weathering literally means if it's a weathering day outside it means like a lot of strong winds so mm-hmm. yeah very very dark but if you go to um thrush cross grange it's the complete opposite right yeah so i think that contributed a lot like um what are your thoughts about that how it contributed it- to the story itself yeah so i think throughout the story you notice like every time like you know later in the book when characters like return to Wuthering Heights it's never a good time over there like it's like always (laughs) yeah it's like always some kind of like sad traumatic event happens when they go back to Wuthering Heights um and I think Thrush Cross Grange is like the symbolism of like you know you had the Lentons and they were like the put together family like a rich family and you know, as like Heathcliff and Catherine are peeking through the window, they're like sitting and having dinner together. And it's like kind of that symbolism was like over there, 
it's, you know, more calm and like normal in a sense. Whereas Wuthering Heights is just hot mess express. So (laughs) (laughs) I like that hot mess. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Um, so then also like, um, in most love stories, like, do we ever, do we ever really read about ghosts wandering around just, um, just freely wandering around as they please? Like not, not many love stories have that aspect, but, um, in Wuthering Heights, like after Cap and dies, you have her ghosts walking around and, um, and remember, um, did, did you ever remember seeing the PBS, um, show, um, the adaptation of Wuthering Heights? I don't remember. I think I did watch it, but it was a while ago now. Yeah, so I remember um, at the beginning, like when Lockwood was staying here at first, like there was a voice saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. And it was Catherine's ghost. Mm -hmm. And she actually punched through the window. (laughs) Yeah. So you do not read about that in most love stories at all. It's No. And also to the, the welcoming like he's just mm-hmm. welcoming her haunting him like i'm like that's love i guess but kind of <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah and just like um just that um aspect of the story when he's saying goodbye like it's more of a it's more of an aggressive goodbye uh, like mm-hmm. like um i don't want to say resentful but it kind of kind of was because um they're that she's she's on her deathbed and they're they're going back and forth passing the blame to each other for why she died yeah it's your fault it's your fault it's your fault so yeah very very different from most love stories it's very it's very very dark um Mm -hmm. so then i also want to talk about because um um we both know nelly um as a narrator was biased um lockwood also as a narrator was also biased because he was um i mean he was level-headed um for Mm -hmm. the most part but he was actually kind of snobby so um with these two unreliable narrators like do you um do you think that could there could be a chance that we don't know the full context or the full story or the full context of it and will we ever know um will we ever really have the true story or um do we just have to just go off with that and go on our merry way yeah I think I actually haven't thought about this it's a really great question to ask um because I think they paint such a you know, dark picture about Heathcliff and Catherine. Um, Mm -hmm. And essentially the other characters, like their, you know, like tragic endings or things that happen to them are kind of the fallout between like the fallout of Heathcliff's actions or the fallout of Catherine's actions or like, are like collateral damage. But I think, um, especially Nellie, I think the way she paints herself is, you know, oh, I'm like, I think in one part of the book, she's like, I was the only like soul in the building that had any kind of sense, you know? So it was kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe not, you know, Um, you're the one telling the story. So of course no one's going to be like, Oh, I was in the wrong. I said this and I did that. So I don't think we have the full picture, Um, especially like with Lockwood, he already felt um, kind of superior to, to Heathcliff and, you know, Catherine when like he visited Wuthering Heights for the first time. Um, so he had already had like that negative image of them. So it's very easy to like continue to build upon that with the story that Nellie is telling and that he's repeating. Yeah, exactly. Cause like when you first walked in the house, like um, everyone, like he noticed that everybody, like literally everybody seems to have a bad attitude with each other. Yeah. And then um, he sees um, Catherine Linton in there, like 
just depressed because um why wouldn't she be she was abused but he yeah. didn't know that at first so like um he just sees a woman walking around with a bad attitude he's like okay what the heck is going on mm-hmm. and then um he sees harrison and asks her something something to the effect of um like i think he said something like um is is your amiable lady okay and he immediately goes she's not my amiable lady yeah <laughs> so um so like naturally Lockwood is like okay what is going on but one thing about Lockwood he he was he wanted to hear some mess like he was ready for that story like what is going on with these people like and yeah, then when Nelly, like, tuck- Nelly spill the tea please <laughs> yeah, exactly so even when um she was getting deeper in the story like um like I think at one point um he was staying there one night and he actually um demanded to know the rest of the story like he was he mm-hmm. was really curious about this so i think that yeah. was interesting mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know i don't know i feel like he like even with nelly he's like no i need you to tell me this i need you to tell me this like he was extra curious and also like i feel like he was just waiting to be like oh heathcliff is evil just like i thought you know, all this kind of stuff, like waiting to confirm what he already believed about um, the family. Yeah. So like it really, it really confirms how much bias there really is in the story. So I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's a interesting thing to think, interesting thing to think about, like, do we really know the full story or do we just have to go off of anti Heathcliff? Like he's, he's an evil person, but yeah. then again, when you think of then again, we also have to we also have his upbringing to go off of, which Nelly mm-hmm. fortunately told very accurately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And speaking of that, so um, so yeah, it's I think it's about time to <laughs> compare character rankings because I think this yeah. is going to be a really fun subject. So, um, we're actually going to be going um from worst to most justified. So, okay. So, who is a person that you put dead last? in the character ranking so this was so hard so obviously the top three worst were like Catherine henley and heathcliff for me and yeah. then i was trying to figure out okay but who's the worst and i would honestly say Catherine. okay i feel like Ooh. she every time like i was just looking at like things that she would say and it was like if you know the way she treated edgar like at one point she was like oh, if Edgar really loves me, then I'll, then I'll die and wither away, like, to hurt him. And it was just, like, everything was based on her, like, how she felt with Heathcliff. It was like, oh, I'm going to marry Edgar because Heathcliff doesn't have enough money, but Heathcliff, I, like, still want you to love me. Like, she was just tormenting these men, essentially. Um, and so that's why I put her at the top of the list, um, for me because I didn't feel like she had any justification for anything. Like she wasn't treated as terribly as Heathcliff was. Like it was just I don't know. Yeah. And um like I honestly put Henley like dead last because like I felt like he was just terrible all around, all across mm-hmm. the board. Like he never had he never really had anything to prove except except he was a better child because of his jealousy. But um yeah, yeah um not <sighs> See, I, I kind of I'm kind of thinking about it differently now because like Catherine, I think that um, yeah, I think that she was um, she had no she had no inkling of how good she had it like yes yeah. like constantly um going back and forth towards two men and it's like do you do you realize like you realize how fortunate you have to have a choice like 
Um, mm-hmm. Other people in the story, like they, they, they're constantly feeling like they have no choice than to do what is expected of them. But um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so, who is the second person that you like? A um, second worst person in the ranking. So then I put Henley actually as the second worst, just because he was bad all the way around, um, and was like, I think he was just abusive and terrible like essentially um but i think the reason i put Catherine above him was because with henley like what you see is what you get with Catherine, there was like a lot of like manipulation and like you know i'm trying to get revenge and like forgive me i don't forgive you like all this kind of stuff um so that's why henley's in the second worst just because he was just evil but like essentially you could be like okay i'll just stay away from him like i know how he gets with Catherine, you don't know, like, she could change, like, at the drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was crazy, right? But, um, yeah, just, um, and, um, abused Hareton, so that, that, um, I do not, I don't do child abuse, <laughs> so, <No. laughs> so that, um, that's why he was dead last, but, um, for my second worst, I actually, okay, people are about to get mad at me for this, I, I feel it already, but I put Heathcliff as the second worst, because, um, okay. like, um, to a certain point, like, um, Heathcliff, like, he, he did deserve, he did deserve, like, um, justice for what was done to him because he did not deserve that at all. All he, all he did mm-hmm. basically was just be taken in, in his, in his time of need. That's all, he, that's all he did to Henley. But again, Henley, his insecurities, his jealousy, mm-hmm. but, um, Heathcliff, um, in a certain way, like, he, he actually came a little, became a little bit more like Henley, like because we all know that he treated Henley the same way he did him in their childhood. Yeah. But um, then he also um transferred that to Isabella, and then Kathy, mm-hmm. Kathy Linton, and then even even some sometimes um Edgar, um his own son. So um, that's why that's why I put him as second worst. But um, yeah, I just think he's like very. Like he's obviously a very complex character, um, mm-hmm. but um, I actually wanted to go in the book for a second. No, actually, never mind. <laughs> um, that was a different character analysis. But um, that's okay. But um, actually, actually, yeah, let me go in there because, like, the, just the way that he says goodbye to the woman he loves is just um, it's very it's very bizarre for a romance story. Like, um, because when Catherine died. Um, he says, may she wake in torment. He cried with frightful vehemence, stamping his foot and groaning in a sudden um, paroxysm of ungovernable passion. Why, she's a liar to the end. Where is she? Not there. Not in heaven. Not perished. Where? Oh, you said you cared nothing for my sufferings. And I pray one prayer. I repeat it till my tongue stiffens. Catherine Earnshaw, may you not rest as long as I am living. You said I killed you. Haunt me then. The murdered do haunt their murderers, I believe. I know that ghosts have wandered on the earth. Be, be with me always take any form drive me mad only do not leave me in this abyss where i cannot find you oh god it is unutterable i cannot live without my life i cannot live without my soul so that was that was one of the most powerful passages in the novel obviously because yeah i mean that's exactly what she did i mean um he she did drive him mad like um and i think that some of the forms that he took that she took um Obviously, she was a ghost wandering around the earth, um, going to Wuthering Heights to haunt him. But mm-hmm. 
like when you think about it like i don't think like i don't think it was because i don't think it was his conscience that um didn't really allow him to hurt Catherine linton i think um when he saw her mother in her um he just um something just happened where he was like i can i can't like i can't do this anymore (laughs) yeah um yeah he's very complex like he like i mean everyone tries to like nelly when she talks about him portrays him as a devil but um Mm -hmm. but um i think he I, i don't think he's all the way bad around i think he just goes from good to worse to yeah. just completely <laughs> completely unstable so that's what i thought about yeah. heathcliff so sorry i talked yeah, about, i, I think talked a can... long time no you're good i think too with heathcliff you know you can kind of sympathize i guess with his actions like not you know saying they're great but you can see like how this played out like everyone that First of all, he was taken in like as an orphan. Nobody really liked him except his, you know, father like that adopted him or whatever. Um, and then, you know, he goes from like after his father died, Henley is treating him like trash. You know, he loves Catherine and then she kind of like betrays him. Um, so you can see how like he doesn't really have a care for other people because when you think about it, no one really had a care for him you know like Catherine says she did but actions speak louder than words and she wasn't acting like she cared about him and I think Catherine just wanted him for her own selfish reasons you know like um like even where he when he returned you're like going back and forth you're like oh I love Edgar but I love you too like you know so I think Heathcliff like the way he enacted revenge I think was a little backwards because he pulled everybody else in the story into his revenge plot mm-hmm. but um i think the feeling that he had is like justified so that's why i kind of ranked him i ranked him as third um because i was like okay i can kind of see why he's doing this henley was just evil just to be evil and Catherine was like just doing selfish things um but Heathcliff, you can be like okay i can kind of see like he was treated so badly that you know, he's like, I'm just gonna take revenge on you guys. Yeah. Um I like I see why he's third last. Like, um I put I put um Catherine Earnshaw as third worst, but um like I'm glad that we have the same three people in our top three worst. Yeah. <laughs> but um Catherine Earnshaw, like um she is I think she's fake. She's she's so awesome. she's she's so artificial all the time. Like I think even with edgar she's artificial like with both Mm -hmm. with both in both of these houses like she's an artificial person but um yeah like i wanted to go to a passage on page 147 um like when nelly's narrating to i think she's like was she talking to heathcliff yeah she was talking to heathcliff at this point but she says i'll inform you Catherine linton is as different now from your old friend Catherine earnshaw as that young lady is different from me her appearance has changed greatly her character much more so and a person who is compelled of necessity to be her companion will only sustain his affection hereafter by the remembrance of what she once was but common humanity mm-hmm. and a sense of duty so um so um wait wait a second was she talking about yeah that um she was talking about um the Catherine linton that Catherine earnshaw became like she was um she was much more um a polished woman she um acted mm-hmm. 
she acted what was considered proper but when she when she was with um Heathcliff and was at Wuthering Heights like um she was more you know free-spirited and Mm -hmm. some people would say wilder like that's that's um that's what um Heathcliff and Kathy's relationship was it was wild and it was crazy and you never knew what you were going to get with their relationship. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about that? Like how, how did Catherine, what do you think about Catherine's um, changes in actions and um, personality or not personality, but um, just the way she acted with different people from time to time? Yeah. I feel like that kind of fed into like, for me, her um, selfishness, which is kind of like the word I associate with Catherine, like looking over her holistically. Um I think, I think her reason, like when she became Catherine Lynn, you know, she became more polished, was living, you know, more like lavish life. Um, And then she had everyone tiptoeing around her, trying to keep her peace, you know, and not push her over the edge. But I think she wanted to maintain a connection with Heathcliff because it's kind of like her maintaining that side of her, like that free spiritedness, that wildness. but essentially that was like a betrayal to Heathcliff because it's like what everyone hated Heathcliff for, you know, she supposedly loved him for and appreciated from him. Um, But then now it's like, oh, you're to Heathcliff. I could see from his perspective, it's like, oh, now you married this man, like you're in the Linton family and you're, you know, switching up on me essentially. Um, And so I feel like that changed kind of had selfish motive it was like oh I can live this better life but maybe I can hold on to Heathcliff so like I can have the best of both worlds yeah and um and when you think about what drove Heathcliff away the first time when she was talking to Nellie and you overheard her say I can never marry Heathcliff he just goes nope I'm out forget yeah (laughs) yeah and it was all about the money essentially like he's not a man of like great honor or whatever so then of course, what does Heathcliff do? He returns and he's like, oh, I have all this money. Like, I'm rich. I'm a gentleman. Like, what are yeah. you going to do now? Yeah. And she didn't know what to do. She was like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. So, um, yeah. yeah. It was very, very, um, very complex relationship to say the least. And I, I mean that wholeheartedly to say the least because mm-hmm. just crazy all from all angles. Like, I mean. I mean, if I were Lockwood hearing this story, I, I would be like, what is wrong with these two people? <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, this is like, even me reading this story, I was like, this is kind of crazy. And I, I wrote down some stuff that like Catherine said that I was like, okay, this is wild. Um, I think on like page 133, you know, like when she was like, had her illness, she was like, I shall break my hearts, break their hearts by breaking my own. And then like, you know, she said, I'll die since no one cares about me. Or like, I thought everyone hated each other, that they couldn't help but love me. So it just goes like everything is like, the motive is I want to be loved. I want everyone to be loved, to love me. And I want to have everything that I want, you know. Um, So that's why she was up there on the charts for me. Because I was like, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then um, later, she said to both of these men, you both broke my hearts. And I'm and like, now that she bring that up that she said she wanted to break both of their hearts i'm thinking like didn't she say later <laughs> exactly so- like you said like you wanted to break their heart by breaking your own and then you're like you broke my heart i'm like well you said you broke it yourself so what is it which one is it 
exactly so she's yeah i think she's i think she's just a fake person so that's that's how i feel about her like and like i'm glad we like i'm also glad we're both on the same page with the top three worst people because like that was that was a little bit hard for me to do like i didn't know whether to put Catherine or heathcliff like who was worse like but that's their relationship you don't know who's worse in that situation no because it's bad all the way around yeah um so um so we're moving up the list so after these three who was um who was the worst after them like because they're on the bottom but who's above them in in the yeah i don't know how to word that so the ranking yeah so i um i don't know this is a hard one like because like i feel like outside of those three it's harder to be like okay like who's terrible um out of these ones um so i think i don't know so first i was thinking like maybe harrison right but then i was like he was little like when nelly went back and he was essentially like a little devil um like kind of she was alluding to like he was acting kind of like Heathcliff and Heathcliff like taught him all these bad things um but then I'm like the way he was was justified just because of the way he was raised and um so I don't know this is a hard one and I was thinking like maybe Isabella because she like caused all this drama but I was like well she didn't really know Heathcliff um mm-hmm. and she just kind of fell in love with him but didn't really know the deep dark past of it i think okay i think i'm gonna go nelly on this one um good choice yeah yeah i think because think like when you brought up earlier like the way she was kind of biased and like portraying the whole situation i was like okay i might have to move her up because you know the way she portrayed everyone was like she kind of had this superiority complex like she didn't do anything wrong she was always the one helping she was the one taking care of everyone you know, and then just explaining like, oh, the house isn't the same since you left and Wuthering Heights is even more Wuthering since you're not in the kitchen, Nelly. Like, so it's kind of like portrayed as like, um, like she's superior, but also the way she handled the situation, like with Heathcliff returning and everything, she was definitely playing multiple sides, like with Edgar and um, Catherine's conflict and like Heathcliff and Catherine's conflict. She was like, definitely instigating a little bit yeah and um i actually had her in the same position because um because like several times like she called she called heathcliff a villain like even before he did all this crazy stuff like calling him a villain a black devil this that third so um just just a lot of bias and i think um when um catherine linton like the young the young kathy when she was going over to see um Heathcliff's son Linton um I think like of of course like she was doing her job because like Edgar told him to protect young Kathy from that house essentially but Mm -hmm. um but um she went as far as burning the letters and um like just again bias saying this that and a third about Heathcliff and sometimes Linton so Mm -hmm. um it's like just like like throughout the whole book I was just like slowly and slowly and slowly losing more and more respect for her as a person and a narrator yeah so I had her in yeah, the same position the, yeah because at the beginning I was like okay Nellie's a great character she's telling the story look at all these great things she's doing then I was like I think the turning point was like when Heathcliff came back and they had like that big fight this is when Catherine started her downward decline <laughs> um into death 
uh, I think Nelly, I was like, okay, can you just tell everybody the story straight? And a lot of this would be resolved. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So who did you put for your next on the list? So right after Nelly, I said Edgar. Because um, Edgar, I mean, he's nice, I guess. But um, just, again, the the classism and... Mm-hmm. But um, I think he does not always have a backbone. Like I think he, I think he rarely, I think he really ever steps up for himself and does um just like stops doing what is expected of him and does um does what he feels is right in his conscience. Like because um basically his parents like the like the anti Heathcliff like I think that came from his parents essentially and I think he stuck with that until until mm-hmm. the day of his death. Then also he didn't like when um when he disowned Isabella for for um running off with Heathcliff, I think it was not that serious and he did not have to do her like that. So that's why I put no. him there. Yeah, I agree on that one. He, I had them in the same spot. Um I think like you said, he didn't have a backbone. And then when he did try to like get one was with that big conflict they had. Um, but then now it's like, okay, you've pampered her and like kept her kept Catherine's peace like this whole time and now you're trying to like be like oh I'm not gonna talk to you like you know so it's kind of like okay what are what are you Edgar um and then I think even like when they were younger like the way that Edgar viewed Heathcliff and like Heathcliff and Catherine's relationship um was just like really judgy and I think that's what kind of built like a bigger rift so I don't think he's completely blameless um in the situation but he wasn't like a terrible human like out for revenge or anything like that so um who did you put after edgar hmm let's see i think i'm gonna go isabella maybe um no that's a hard one so i have isabella here but now that i'm like looking at the list I, okay, I'm going to go with Isabella. And I think the reason why is she ran off with Heathcliff, didn't heed, like, anyone's um, warnings, and then tried to, like, come back and, you know, get help and um, mend things with her family that she had left for so long. But also, like, she was young, impressionable, and Heathcliff was working his um, devil magic here, I guess. Um, yeah. And like swaying her. So then it's like, how much blame can you really put on her in this situation? Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I put, um, I put Isabella here because like, um, I almost put Catherine, young Kathy there, but then she was a kid. Because like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that she, um, bullied Hareton, but she was a kid. She was, she was, gr- she was still growing. Sometimes kids are mean to other kids, but, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Isabella was a, fully grown woman so (laughs) yeah um I mean like I think I mean I I understand like I mean you're young like you don't know who a man really is like everyone's telling you um don't go with this man and you're like what's wrong with them like why can't I date him so um so she falls for it and um she suffers the abuse that came with that marriage but um Mm -hmm. um other than that I think she was um very selfish I mean a lot of the things that she said and did were just like, really, why would you, why would you say that? <laughs> but, um, and then, um, I think I remember a fight that happened between, um, her and Catherine Earnshaw, like, well, mm-hmm. at that point she had become Catherine Linton, but, um, I think that 
like there was a there was a part where they were struggling and she dug her she dug her nails into Catherine or Catherine's skin and Catherine called her an mm-hmm. impertinent monkey and I thought that was yeah. I, thought, I thought that was stupid but then it showed then I thought about it, I was like maybe maybe she just seems like the kind of person that is um not desperate but just like really 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 driven to prove everybody wrong and to win mm-hmm. so that's that's why that's why I thought about Isabella but I'm glad that she eventually got away and um like before before her death day she got away from Heathcliff but um yeah yeah, and not- I think it was like she was just trying to be so rebellious and you know when everyone was warning her even Ellie about Heathcliff and she was like but I love him and I think what got me about her was the way that she approached Catherine about the situation kind of like you're just trying to steal my love for me and you want him for yourself essentially um that's why you won't let me love him and Catherine was like okay go go for it and then she kind of I think over time realized oh crap what did I get myself into <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. So after Isabella, who did she put above her? Um, I put young Kathy. Um, and I think just the way that she acted, I guess, when she was younger. But like what you said, you know, like she was still a child, so it was kind of hard to judge. Um, that situation. So, what do you think about this one? I actually put Linton because um okay like but it's it's by it's by a hair because Linton like if you mm-hmm. think about it did he really I mean I like we get that he was he was um the whiny little kid like he was sickly which which is terrible like I I really felt terrible for that kid because um but if you think about it did he like he never asked for anything to happen to him he never asked to be like he loved Heathcliff because of course you're gonna like when you're a child that loves their parent like you're gonna I mean when you're when you're young like that like you don't really I don't think he really even has I don't think he had any um any hate for his father even though he was so abusive but um yeah but if you think about it like did he ever really do anything that that Heathcliff didn't tell him to do because like Heathcliff was always like telling him what to do what to say how to feel so I don't think I don't think anything that he did or said, even to um, um, young Kathy to sway her, like it was not his own on his own accord. Like he was always told to do do all that. So that's why I put him there. Yeah. And then just being a part of his father's like scheme to get young Kathy to marry him. So, um, but I had went in right below young Kathy for that reason. So they were like right there, like neck and neck. Yeah, I'm glad we're on the same page about that. And then also, Linton, like, if you think about it, like, the fact that he was sickly his whole life and um, whining, like, he, that, like, when you think about that, you think Isabella, because that's, that's, that's her son. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Um, yeah, because Isabella. Then, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, because Isabella was always whining as a grown adult, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that came out in Linton, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. Um, I was gonna like agree with that point. Like it was just kind of annoying. Um, and then it's like also Linton doesn't have a backbone, which kind of goes with his uh, I guess his uncle Edgar. So. Yeah. And and what was what's sad about that was like he wasn't really allowed to have one. Like Edgar had every had um had every chance in the world to get his get it together, but. 
Yeah. But Lynn was, was kind of controlled by Heathcliff. Yeah, Lynn was never allowed to express himself freely, and that's that's so sad. Like it's really sad. Yeah. yeah. So who do you have next I on your list? Yeah, um, I had Catherine, young Kathy, right, mm-hmm. right after him because, um, like again, she was a kid, but she didn't really know that much better. But um, the fact that she bullied Hareton about um his his um lack of education, like that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of saw a little bit of Catherine Earnshaw in that because, like, I feel like if if Catherine Earnshaw was living with Hareton, she would have done that too. But um, mm-hmm. but then again, like she um, got it together and she was like, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do that anymore. I'll I'll teach you how to read. And, yeah. And um, just the fact that she told Heathcliff off that that I kind of respected because like um, she's a teenager and she's mm-hmm. she's yelling in Heathcliff's face like saying nobody will ever love you. I'm like, ooh, wow. I'm like, how it. <laughs> um yeah so i agree like kathy had a little more which i feel like she was like her mother in a way with like that kind of spunk um and that temperament but definitely not as like self-absorbed as her mother i would say um and she like eventually came around but then after that i put speaking of harriton i put harriton um so you know, when he was younger, like, I think most of it was owed to the way Nellie was portraying him. Like, it was like this little demon kid that, like, Heathcliff, you know, kind of took under his wing and taught him all these, like, bad words and yeah. everything of that matter. So I'm like, in my head, I'm imagining him, I'm like, oh, he's like Dennis the Menace. Like, this kid is terrible. Um, but then when you kind of, like, understand his circumstance, like, he was literally just, like, in the house, like, by himself with Henley, who was, like, a belligerent drunk. And abusive so it's kind of like who do you expect this kid to be you know um and also this goes into Nelly because she was like pretty much like oh this boy fell apart after I left like six months ago or whatever you know like oh he's he's like um what's the word for it unidentifiable at this point yeah yeah like like Nelly it's not all about you girl (laughs) it's not all about you exactly (laughs) But I actually put Lockwood, like, right after Kathy because, like, I mean, he was fine. He was just kind of a snob. So, like, when I compared him and Hareton, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with Hareton at, at the very top because. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. I put Lockwood last um, just because he was kind of insignificant to me. Like, I was just like, he was just, you know, I want to hear this story and listen to the story. Um. Yeah, he doesn't did have like that snobbish thing, and now that I think about it, I forgot like the whole beginning of the book. Like when he went to Wuthering Heights, he was like, "I need someone to take me home. I need someone to let me stay here." And I, you know, it was just kind of like, "Okay, sir, who are you?" Like, <laughs> I would have been like, "Hit the road, walk in the snow. I don't care." Like, <laughs> oh my god, go ahead, because he was just so demanding. Like, yeah, he, yeah. So he was. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's why i had him like right before hareton but i think hareton like he um yeah his upbringing was terrible like he was influenced heavily by heathcliff but when you think about it when he got older like he didn't really do anything but he tried to 
show love to Kathy in the beginning, but she she um just always put him down. But he's he didn't mm-hmm. stop doing it. So that's what that's what has him at the top for me. Like because got you because like even through all of that, he still had a purer heart than mm-hmm. m- many of the people in the story. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think he had like those. I think almost everyone in the story had like some ulterior motive or something. But with Harrison, I couldn't really. Like, he wasn't, I don't think, doing much out of, like, malice or wanting revenge or wanting to get what he wants type of thing. Yeah, exactly. But wasn't that hard? <laughs> yeah, it was so hard. Because I was like, okay, top three for sure. Catherine Henley Heathcliff, they have that top three on lock. Um, but then after that, it gets harder because you're just like, uh, I don't know. But, like, who's more justified in this? Like... Um, so like as you go down the list it gets harder and harder because <laughs> it's like minute things that would make someone um, better than the other exactly but um, it was it was really fun to do like it like I felt like there would be so much fun to do something like this in an episode with a with um, someone else there so mm-hmm. thank you so much for doing that with me and for doing this interview because um, it really helped me like even even before setting this up but like I didn't really think a lot about some stuff because again, like I read this years back and I needed a refresher, but um, yeah, you actually helped me think about a lot of things that I didn't really think about before, even when we first read the book. So. Yeah. And you definitely did too. Like, especially with the ranking, I think we had like similar vibes and like where people fell, um, but also just hearing like different perspectives, like little details in the book that, I didn't remember fully or might have missed. Um, and then even the perspective on Nellie was was a good one because I'd never thought of her like as a, in that way, like, because she was kind of like a background character for me, I guess, like just the person narrating. Um, so this was awesome and super fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So again, thank you so much. And I can't wait to hear how this turns out. And um and yeah, um, good luck to you in your career. And I can't wait to hear more about it and see how far you go because I know you're going to go so far. But um, Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. So I'm actually going to do the closing in this in this interview. So okay. um, if you'd like to follow Reagan on social media, her... Oh, wait a minute. What's your Instagram handle? <laughs> <laughs> so I think my Instagram is underscore, 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 Reagan.xo. And then three underscores at the end as well. All right. So that that's Reagan. And then um, if you don't know my Instagram, it's uh, at k.a.r.blog on Instagram. And um, yeah. So um, again, if you have not read the book, I definitely strongly encourage you to because you are missing some reality TV and classic literature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So thank you everyone so much for listening again. Thank you Reagan, for being here and um, yeah, tell your friends, tell your family about this episode. Um, You do not want to miss this. So yeah, thank you for listening and see y'all next time. See ya.